Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios. Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to have you with us another uh, Tuesday evening, reflecting into this very rich topic of the great uh, ancient Christian thinkers and our study of primitive Christianity. And uh, as I um, have always had uh, with me on Tuesday evenings, John O'Hare, I have once again John with me. So, John, it is great to have you with me another evening. Thank you, Joe. Before we get started into our, our figure today and our reflection and conversation um, on St. Cyril of Jerusalem, I wanted to welcome all of those listeners who are tuning in by way of podcast from, from our international audience. I know we have listeners from the countries of Brazil, uh, Argentina, Chile, uh, Colombia, uh, England, Italy, and Spain. Uh, I get this index read, and it's always um, humbling to see who is listening and where they are listening by way of podcast. So, to all of you out there, I, I welcome you, and uh, I am very much appreciative of you taking a half hour out of your time to tune in to Seeds of Truth. Um, I hope uh, what we do here, what we talk about here, encourages you and your faith. So again, thank you for the gift of your time. With that, John, here we are talking about these figures in what we call the Nicene Era, you know, this golden age of doctrine. But before we get into St. Cyril of Jerusalem, I wanted to draw back a little bit and just kind of briefly reflect on where we've been. We initially took a look at, uh, you know, the first four evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then uh, the apostles who accompanied Jesus. And then we took up with the primary figures that we read in the Acts of the Apostles, certainly uh, St. Paul, uh, St. Stephen, the first martyr, but um, other figures as well that were relevant to, to those who were witnessing and bearing witness to the Christian faith. And then we started to get into some of those um, apostolic fathers, those fathers who lived during the generation of the first apostles, or maybe in the immediate aftermath. We called those fathers uh, the gospel's first echo, St. Clement of Rome, St. Ignatius of Antioch, St. Polycarp of Smyrna. Then we entered into this phase of church history, the second and third centuries, where we were looking at the pre-Nicene era, where the church was finding a voice. Huh? We looked at figures to the likes of St. Justin the Martyr, St. Irenaeus of Lyon, Tertullian, St. Cyprian of Carthage, St. Clement of Alexandria, and of course, the great figure of Origen. All of these men who helped us better understand that teaching program that Christ handed on to the first 12, and as the bishops are representatives of the apostles, to the great bishops and Christian thinkers that followed them. And now we are in this golden age of doctrine, right? We've already talked about Eusebius of Caesarea, uh, certainly last week, St. Athanasius, and now we have the opportunity to talk about St. Cyril of Jerusalem. We call this the golden age of doctrine because what we have coming into view is the creed in its more definitive form, along with a deeper understanding of who Christ is in his humanity and his divinity. Christ is fully human, fully divine. huh? And so certainly this came to pass in the fourth century 
because of Arianism. Arianism was the heresy led by Arius the priest, who we've already talked about a great deal, who essentially looked upon Christ and did not see Christ as being one with the Father. So the question, one in being with the Father, was uh, the big question of uh, the Council of Nicaea. Correct. Uh, Just to go a little bit more into politics, around 65 A.D., Nero starts his persecution of the church, and that continues on until Constantine in 314. So during that period, there is persecution. It, it, It was constant, but it was also sporadic. But anyway, by 314, the church is now legal. Well, at this point, people can start to meet and discuss their Christian religion publicly. By 325, we have the Nicene Creed, and now we are getting into, rather publicly, fathers of the church. I mean, the people who, going back to the apostles, they were as much fathers as there was. But anyway, now we are down to St. Cyril of Jerusalem, a wonderful saint, born in 315, died around 387, lived to be about 72, 70, somewhere around in there. And he was born in Jerusalem of Christian parents, had an excellent education. And uh, he was ordained a priest by a saint, St. Maximus. And... uh, he was assigned to teach in the catechetical school in Jerusalem, and we have had those kinds of people before. Mm-hmm. And that was where he did some excellent writing. He has 24 uh, books on catechesis, which have survived, and uh, those are what he's primarily known for. And then he became bishop of Jerusalem, and that's when problems started. He is quite similar to uh, St. Athanasius of, Isa- of Alexandria in that he was a bishop who had to live out of his suitcase because mm-hmm. he exiled three times. <laughs> yeah. And he did, like I said, he died in around 387. And uh, the last eight or nine years, he was in Jerusalem uh, unmolested. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he was exiled several times, uh, primarily by uh, bishops that, who were Arians and also by uh, emperors who... Um, who were also Arians, but mainly were politics and wanted to keep peace in the country. And they, so we have emperors getting involved in religion and bishops trying to get the emperors involved. So we have kind of a mess going on. You would think that once we had the Melvin Bridge, things would be calm. Mm-hmm. Nope, things yeah. are never calm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting as you talk about those exiles, John, there's a few points to be had. There was some confusion from some of his fellow bishops about his own orthodoxy. And part of that came from the time he spent with Arians, okay? In fact, the bishop sent uh, St. Gregory, who we, who we now know as St. Gregory of Nyssa, to hang out with him to make sure that he wasn't an unorthodox bishop. Well, what we know now is that he was very orthodox, and what's striking is why they thought he had Arian tendencies, why, he, why they thought he had uh, tendencies to believe that Christ was not uh, fully human and fully divine. And there's a point within that that I think is so important. I mean, what was he doing? Why, John, was he hanging out with Arians? Well, why did Jesus hang out with tax collectors? Exactly. Why did Jesus hang out with those who people weren't hanging out? Because he knew that they were the reason why he came. And so, yeah, certainly it is right um, that figures like St. Cyril of Jerusalem were hanging out with men who needed to be evangelized. Arians did not believe in the divinity of Christ. They needed to be evangelized. So what did St. Cyril do? He hung out with them. You know, he, he built up this trust. It's interesting, Pope Francis, John in Joy of the Gospel, in paragraphs 169 to 173, 
talks about this personal accompaniment. It's something I've talked about on other radio programs, and I really want to bring it in here to hammer home this point. He emphasizes, that is Pope Francis, the need to essentially evangelize those who are on the outside looking in. How? By establishing friendships, by establishing relationships, by listening to them. In fact, I want to go to Joy of the Gospel. This is what he says. This is Pope Francis. Today, more than ever, we need men and women who, on the basis of their experience of accompanying others, are familiar with the processes which call for prudence, understanding, patience, and docility to the Spirit. He goes on, John, to say, and I think this is so important, we need to practice the art of listening, which is more than simply hearing. Listening in communication is an openness of heart which makes possible that closeness without which genuine spiritual encounter cannot occur. Listening helps us to find the right gesture and word which shows that we are more than simply bystanders. Only through such respectful and compassionate listening can we enter on the paths of true growth. And I love this, John. He says, awaken a yearning for the Christian ideal, the desire to respond fully to God's love and to bring to fruition what he has sown in our lives. But this always demands patience. And so he goes on to talk about that genuine spiritual accompaniment is always about the mission of evangelization. <laughs> this is what St. Cyril of Jerusalem embodied. He took each person for who they were, just not as an Arian or someone who believed in these Arian tendencies or these Arian doctrines, right? But who they were based upon their whole life's experiences. He listened to them. He built up their trust. And when the time was right, he engaged them offering them compelling arguments for the Christian ideal as it relates to the humanity and divinity of Jesus Christ. And in doing so, awakening within them a desire, and I dare say a curiosity, to this person of Jesus Christ, fully human, fully divine. St. Cyril of Jerusalem was about personal accompaniment. The bishop that gave him some trouble was a man named Acacius from yes. the town of Caesarea, very close to Jerusalem. And he felt that the Diocese of Caesarea was the more important one. And Acacia did get him exiled. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's the kind of man Cyril was. He was a combination of Orthodox, although he did befriend Arians. Yeah. He was a combination of Orthodox and also good works. Mm -hmm. A good Christian should be involved in good works. Amen, John. That's right. It can be awfully confusing for non-Christian to hear someone talking about the faith and, and, and not being a doer of the word, if you will. There is this blend of living out our faith perfectly as it relates to the Christian ideal, and that is embracing the spiritual works of mercy and the corporal, corporal works of mercy. That is being versed in the faith, being educated in the faith, and because you are educated in the faith, and because you have more reason to go deeper into your faith, and, and as we've talked about before, to go deep in your rela living relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to want to serve him. You're going to want to meet Jesus Christ in the poor. Remember what he said in the Gospel of Matthew, to the least of the brethren you do unto me, right? So uh, what St. Cyril of Jerusalem wants us to see is that there is this glove ball fit that exists in the spiritual works of mercy and the corporal works of mercy. So important, and yeah, that was at the very heart 
of St. Cyril of Jerusalem's catechesis. Uh, because without that, without that, if we are just about the word and not the deed, it's very confusing, John, very confusing. It is. His catechesis, I work in RCIA where people who want to become Catholics come and take some classes. It was very thorough. And when I think of the Acts of the Apostles, Peter gives a speech, and that afternoon they baptized several thousand. Well, that's not the way it works today. And St. Cyril put them through quite a process, went through baptism, and what do all of these symbols mean, and the Eucharist and confirmation, what does the oil mean? It was quite a process, very thorough, very reverent. Mm-hmm. And he took liturgy quite seriously. And, uh, you know, he took his catechumenate delightfully seriously. And, I mean, I began to respect him quite a bit when I yeah, sure. acquainted with some of that. Yeah, amen, John, to that. I, you know, I was asked a question about this recently, actually. Well, why can't I just become Catholic if I want to become Catholic? Well, what are we doing when we become Catholic? We are entering into this bridal union with Jesus Christ in the sacramental life, Right. If we were to put this in the context of relationship, every marriage needs that courtship. Every marriage needs that engagement period where we are getting to know our future spouses. And this is what the Catholic Church does, right, John? In its inquiry phase and catechumenate phase, it's simply that process of engagement before we go deeper into that uh, marriage. And certainly, as uh, St. Cyril of Jerusalem lays out, beautifully so, it is a process because you want to get to know more about yeah. your beloved. And it's a process that never stops, John. Correct. I mean, we never stop studying the faith. I mean, what does St. Thomas Aquinas say? The more I come to know, the more I realize how little I know. Yes. <laughs> because God is inexhaustible. We can never literally exhaust the love of God. I mean, that's what mystery means, right? Mysterion, the inexhaustible love of God. So what we are made to see is that there is a process, a process that never stops, but a process that also uh, does have to have a beginning. It does have to have, as St. Cyril of Jerusalem saw, that initial stage, which we would properly call the engagement period. Now, what did that look like for him? I think it's most striking how he set it up, and in many ways, it has remained a model yeah. for John 1,700 years. Yeah. It's striking. He takes, essentially, the person of Jesus Christ, and he shows how Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. We've talked about it a great, great deal on this radio program, typology. That was a huge word for St. Cyril of Jerusalem. It was. In fact, one could make the case that St. Cyril of Jerusalem was the church father who used that word the most because it was so important to his catechesis. So he showed them how he was the fulfillment of the prophetic thrust of the Old Testament and the fulfillment of the law of the Old Testament. And once you came to understand that truth— that the person of Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of every law, of every prophet, of every historical moment, then there was reason to go deeper into your faith. And so out from that doctrinal viewpoint that focused in on sacred scripture, there was this moral catechesis, which had you going deeper into why you should love Jesus Christ and the disciplines that are necessary to properly love Jesus Christ. And then out from that, once you were baptized into, uh, into the Catholic faith, and once you became a Catholic, fully Catholic, you entered into this mystagogical period, which, what does that word mean, mystagogy? It's a word that simply speaks to the spiritual depth behind the sacramental life of the Church. So what St. Cyril of Jerusalem would do is he would spend extra time focusing in on the sacramental life. Why? Because, John, the sacramental life of the Church 
is the life where we go deeper into that aforementioned relationship with Jesus Christ, where we go deeper into the marriage we have with Jesus Christ. Provocative, but very important. He spends quite a bit of time on baptism. That is a, that, that's the sign that you enter into the church with. That's when you receive sanctifying grace. A lot of time on confirmation. Mm-hmm. And uh, in those days, you could receive baptism and confirmation almost simultaneously within the same day. Big on the Eucharist. That is the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ. And he was quite deep on that. And he wanted his new Christians to realize what this was. And once they were Catholic, he had uh, quite a session on mystagogy. Let's become spiritual mm-hmm. and uh, really realize what these gifts are. Yeah, there are a few pieces I actually wanted to read here. Uh, the first being his treatment on confession, John, where he says, If you have anything against any man, forgive it. You come here to receive forgiveness of sins, and you too must forgive him who has sinned against you. Or how will you say to the Lord, Forgive me my many sins? If you have not yourself forgiven your fellow servant, even his little sins. Wow. That's powerful. Yes. I pulled that excerpt out for our listening audience, John, because we need to think about what St. Cyril of Jerusalem just said. Yeah. You know, 1,700 years later, we need to adhere to that truth. How can we possibly enter into that bridal relationship with Jesus Christ and God the Father if we are not willing to forgive those who have hurt us. We must remember something about forgiveness, John. (laughs) When Jesus Christ on the cross says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Christian forgiveness is not based upon someone's apology, right? You forgive because the Christian vocation is to forgive, and you find the heart to do so, emulating Christ. So often we tie our forgiveness to an apology. You know, someone says, I'm sorry for hurting you. We say, I forgive you. The Christian ideal is greater, John. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That is how we share in the mystery of forgiveness. And we need to have a living relationship with Jesus Christ if we're going to attain that kind of forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. One of our first states was St. Stephen who asks the same thing Mm. as he's being stoned to death. Amen. Amen. And what an important insight that is, John, as he's being stoned to death. So as St. Cyril is reflecting upon the sacrament of confession, what he's telling us is if our contrition is real, if our resolve is real, then we must be right with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And if, if we are not right, make sure we are right. So important. I read about a 30-second quote from St. Cyril? You betcha. You betcha, John. The way of godliness consists of these two parts, pious doctrines and good works. Neither are the doctrines acceptable to God without good works, nor does God accept works accomplished otherwise than is linked with pious doctrines. Mm. Wow. Yeah, amen. That's beautiful. As we talk about this man, what has to be understood is that he had a deep pastoral sense. Yes. We talked about this with who? What? Origen, uh-huh. uh, St. Irenaeus of Lyon. Uh, these men are saints. These men had a deep understanding of the heart. And this can never be overlooked, John. We have to appreciate this for what it is. St. Cyr of Jerusalem was another. He had a deep sense of the heart. I talked about personal accompaniment earlier and this need to listen, 
right? Because if we aren't able to listen in our journey of faith, just not in helping others, but in our own walk with God, then how are we going to be able to properly live out our faith? Is it, Lord, listen, your servant is speaking, (laughs) or Lord, speak, your servant is listening? What's our disposition? How do we pray? This is what St. Cyril of Jerusalem challenges us with. He was exiled three times. I would have been upset at the people who exiled me and shafted me and caused me to lose my job. He comes back with love. Yeah, he comes back with love. Amen. God is love. And this is what we are called to share. And, you know, he's talking about uh, the Eucharist here, John. Uh, And I love how he closes his point here. He says, so with full assurance, let us partake of the body and blood of Christ. Forgiven to you in the figure of bread is his body and in the figure of wine his blood. That you, by partaking of the body and blood of Christ, may be of the same body and the same blood with him. For thus we come to bear Christ in us because his body and blood are distributed through our members. Thus it is that, according to St. Peter, 2 Peter 1.4 here, John, we become partakers of the divine nature, right? God is love, 1 John 4.16 says. God is love, and this is what we share in. And if love has a second name, John, it's mercy and forgiveness. It's mercy and forgiveness. It's interesting. As we're talking about forgiveness and how we are called to share in the body of Christ, this great mystery, we must remember something. What does repentance mean? (laughs) John says, repent and believe the kingdom of God is at hand, right? What is repentance? In the Greek, metanoia, right? It is a change of heart, and it's twofold. First, you have to be contrite. You have to be sorry for your sin and what you have failed to do in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And second, based upon that contrition, you have to be resolved. And out from that resolve to change your ways, you are now essentially on a new path towards holiness. And this is what John, this is behind the Greek metanoia. He says, repent, change your ways, be sorry for your sin, be sorry for your your ways, change them, be resolved, and now live anew. You were talking about baptism, this new life in Christ. Colossians 3.10, put on the cloth of Christ, right? Put on the cloth of Christ, put on the garment of virtue. Dress yourselves with the purity of Jesus Christ. Dress yourself with the love of God. And John, people notice. People notice. You know, it's the great uh, line from Donald DeMarco. He's talking about holiness, and he says, you know, holiness is like a lighthouse. It does not send off flares or shoot off cannons. It just shines in the darkness. It just shines in the darkness. It's dark, John, but remember what we've said before. All the more reason for our light to shine. Metanoia, I think we've mentioned that word on every other show. Change of heart. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to keep coming up. Yeah, I mean, it has to, right? Because when we're talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ, we do have to be able to take a step back and appreciate what this relationship looks like. There is the constant need to be contrite. There's the need to say, I'm sorry. Again, fundamentally, the Christian faith is about divine sonship and a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, it's a relationship. What does that mean? I'm in a marriage. If I fail to say I'm sorry to my bride when I have failed, it's not good for a relationship, John. <laughs> you know, It's not good. So when we talk about it within the context of the Christian faith, we need to see it the same way. And then out from that, I'm sorry. We need to say Yes, I'm going to do it differently this time. And in grace, through prayer, be resolved to do it differently the next time. 
and build up that relationship so that we are doing it differently. All of this very much comes out of our discussion on this very important figure from the early church, John, because this is what he was about. He was a master of the faith. It's to remember, he's a doctor of the church, right? <laughs> yes, a doctor of the church and a father of the church. Yeah, I mean, so very, very important as we talk about the stuff of uh, St. Cyril of Jerusalem. There was one last piece I wanted to get to. I, I just love this as it relates to reverence. This is what he has to say, particular to receiving our Lord. I love this. He says, make your left hand a throne for the right, as for that which is to receive a king. And having hallowed your palm, receive the body of Christ, saying over it, amen. That word, I believe, so be it, huh? A very covenant-rich word. Then, after having carefully blessed your eyes by the touch of the holy body, consume it carefully, lest you lose any portion. For whatever you lose is evidently lost to you, as it were, from one of your own limbs. Wow, strong. Tell me if anyone gave you grains of gold. Would you not hold them with all care on your guard against losing any? Striking. I love that. Will you not keep watch more carefully then than not a crumb fall from you of what is more precious than gold and precious stones? Bit of a challenge there, huh, John? Yes. Then after you have consumed the body of Christ, draw near also to the cup of his blood, not stretching forth your hands, but bending and saying with an air of worship and reverence, amen. Did he understand the Eucharist? Amen. Did he understand the Eucharist? Did he, did he ever? <laughs> well, John, I think we're out of time as I'm looking up the clock there. Um, great program. Uh, great to be back after being away for a few, a few weeks. And look forward to next week. I think next week we'll talk about St. Basil. Let us close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.